Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we're going to be picking up on the series on power. We're going to be doing part two of that. Uh, today's episode is going to be dealing with power and magic. So we're going back to how these two tie in together. A uh, good book to look into, or series of books actually, uh, if you want to look into this topic more deeply, is The Golden Bow by uh, <clears throat> by uh, Frazier. Uh, he wrote it originally as a two-volume set, then he expanded it to a three-volume set, and then it eventually became a 15-volume set. Uh, in this series of books, he traces ancient religions from all over the world, um, traces how they started out, how they influenced the things that came after them. Um, anyone who is heavily in the field of literature will uh, notice that a lot of early and mid-20th century writers were highly influenced by Fraser's work, uh, including people like T.S. Eliot. Um, but I want to focus today mainly on magic and how this uh, played into power. When we think of magic, uh, we think of things that are able to manipulate and people who are able to manipulate the physical world. And the, there's an old saying that any sufficient uh, technology would be indistinguishable from magic. And so the first ma magicians were people who really had to observe the natural world in order to be able to do the things that they did. For example, curing people. This was done by the medicine man, by the shaman. This was done by someone who knew magic at the time, which is what they considered it. Uh, medical science is very, very much later. Um, you know, predicting uh, eclipses. You know, this was all seen as part of magic. Anybody that could predict things in the natural world and teach people how to uh, overcome those things had a great deal of power. Um, this is where a lot of the fertility festivals, the harvest festivals, things like this came into being. Uh, you had people who observed the natural world and then would know when you were going to have floods based on, you know, patterns over the years, when was the proper time to plant. Uh, basically, magic was technology. And technology and the secrets of it were heavily guarded. They were kept by a few people and those people were tied directly to the people in power uh, when you control information you control everything um, when you can be the one that if someone gets sick you can make them better if you can uh, know what to do to avoid floods or I should say to avoid the devastation of floods and get people out of the way um, so the early magicians were actually, in a lot of ways, the early scientists. And Fraser talks about this, how magic kind of eventually turns into science. Because if you want to be a good magician, you have to know the way that the world actually works. And in order to do that, you have to be a keen observer of that world. So things like uh, astronomy uh, come from astrology. You know, people would track the movements of the planets and the stars um, and were able to predict things like I said uh, like the equinoxes like the um, eclipses solar and lunar um, you have the uh, <clears throat> you know the 
magic that was looking at crops and how to blend certain crops and how to grow certain crops. You know, this becomes uh, the beginnings of biology and the beginnings of animal husbandry, you know, how to breed animals. This, this information was closely guarded. There were only a few people who knew it. And so to everyone else, these people seemed like they had access to some realm beyond humans because they had more or less greater control over the natural world than what most people had. Um, this is something that really has never changed with humans. Uh, anyone who controls knowledge and who controls uh, who has that knowledge really controls the entire society. So we talked a little bit about the first uh, rulers. You know, at first they ruled with strength alone, uh, but this didn't last very long. They had to tie themselves to the divine. Well, even tying yourself to the divine doesn't work if it doesn't seem like you can get the divine to intervene on your part. And so this is where you need the people who have sort of studied the natural things in the world and know how to manipulate them. Um, the All of the earliest festivals that eventually translated into the modern holidays, you know, have their start in this. Um, Easter, uh, the festival of the rebirth of Jesus, uh, was, was originally, uh, before that, there were many pagan uh, fertility rituals. Rebirth of the land, the return of spring. Um, these rituals were much more prominent in the areas that are away from the equator. Um, the reason for this is if you are living in a group that is on the equator or close to the equator, you don't really have the drastic seasons like you would have in the extreme north and extreme southern hemisphere. You know, you don't have fall, winter, spring, and summer. You have basically usually two seasons, hot and dry and hot and wet. Um, so as you move into the more uh, northern and more southern climates, uh, you would have the, the emphasis on the seasons and the emphasis on the dormant season and the return to life. And the spring festivals were always about a return to life, a return of fertility. The uh, <clears throat> festivals at the end of the summer, in the fall, these are the harvest festivals. These are the festivals where the grains are gathered, where sacrifices were made, where food was stored up so that you could get through the long winter. And then you had the midwinter festivals that kind of mark the the transition from the days getting shorter to the days getting longer. You know, this is the beginning of sort of hope and the land coming back alive. So the people that had the knowledge of when these things occurred would have a great deal of power. You know, think about this in today's world. If you have no idea how a car works as far as how to fix one, you are completely in the power of people who do know how that works and who do have the ability. Now, in today's time period, we have a lot more access to the internet and a lot more access to information. Um, but these secrets back then were closely guarded. Um, in fact, only the elite were even allowed to know these secrets. And in the societies that had reading and writing, only the elite were allowed to know how to read and write. Even as you go into the um, later time periods, 
uh, into the what are considered the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages. Um, it was often illegal for people to read um, the scriptures unless you were part of the church. You know, during the uh, days of the rule of the Catholic Church over all of uh, basically Christianity, um, only monks and bishops and priests and nuns were even allowed to read the Bible. It was considered um, a punishable act for anyone else to actually read it. So knowledge is always guarded, and knowledge over how things work is even more guarded. Again, going into another uh, modern comparison, you know, think about how much money is spent by companies in order to protect their secrets, to protect their patented products, their, pra their patented practices. You know, there's a, a large amount of industrial espionage that goes, goes around where someone will develop something and a rival company will try to steal that idea. So you can see that even today we haven't really gotten out of this. The people who control the knowledge about how things work and how to make things uh, have a great deal of power. And these people were closely aligned with the political powers, with the kings or queens or uh, emperor or whoever had the, um, whoever had the highest position. Um, I'm going to break this off for here. I've been having a habit of some of my lessons going a little bit long, and a few of them have reached into 40 minutes. I do want to keep these kind of reasonably sized. Um, there are going to be a lot more sections on power coming up, probably at least 8 to 10 more sections on this, but I'm going to keep mixing them up with sections on writing and sections on literature and sections on analysis as well. Uh, my next uh, lecture will probably go into back into literary analysis. So I hope all of you are doing well. I hope all of you are staying safe. And I hope to speak to you all again soon. Have a good day.